Hey, podcast people, how's it going? Azra and the Language Nerd here. Hope you're having a fantastic uh, Saturday night or whatever day and time it is for you right now as you are listening to this podcast episode. It is 12.21 as I'm recording this, and for the dedicated podcast listeners, you know what that means. This is another episode of Midnight Talks. This is episode number six, if I'm not mistaken. If you're new to this segment on my podcast, it's pretty straightforward. It's a segment where... I sit down typically around midnight, or rather late at night, and I share a variety of thoughts that are going through my mind. Some of them are language-related, some of them are not. I feel that this is a different, I suppose a unique segment on my podcast because late at night is where I get some of the most important thoughts that I have in a day. In other words, the most important things, the most defining thoughts that I have happen late at night. The decisions that I make during the daytime are often as a result of the thoughts I have at nighttime. And here are some of the things that I'm thinking about today. The first thing that I'm thinking about today is just how powerful language is. I've been thinking about this more and more recently, especially when you look at the power of the written word. Man, The written word is more powerful than you could ever imagine. You need to take advantage of the written word. The written word is literally like magic. The written word allows you to define, allows you to give a physical form to something that did not exist before. You see, we live our lives primarily in our heads. We think a lot and our thoughts are very fluid. It's almost like water. And when you take your thoughts and you put them in a written form and you put them in writing, excuse me, it gives them a physical and visual and concrete form. And boy, that's powerful. That's so powerful. It's almost a religious experience. I'm not religious by any means, but it feels very divine in a sense. Because by putting something in writing, it allows you to create it and actually make it. It's really crazy. It's the first step to actually creating something in the world that previously did not exist. When something exists only in your thoughts, it doesn't actually exist in the real world yet. There's no physical manifestation of that thing in the real world. Because our thoughts are so fluid. And... Who's to say that what we think is real? It's only real when it exists in the physical world. Or rather, that's one way to to perhaps view it. And the second you write it, now it exists out of your head and you've put it in the physical world. There's some form of it that now exists in the real physical world that you can see, touch, hear, and smell, and taste. And that's super powerful, man. Super, super powerful. It also helps you... At least for me, it helps me to get, be very crystal clear on what I believe. One of my, one of my best friends put it best. He loves to write essays. He thinks writing essays is, is a, an excellent practice, I suppose. Because he says when you write a good essay, you become, you become crystal clear on what you believe and why you believe it. Because a good essay has to be well thought out and you have to really plan your ideas and you have to think about you have to you have to figure out how to communicate what you believe in a clear and concise manner 
And so he says that writing essays is such an important practice for people to do because it makes you very clear on the things that you believe in, especially if you write it well. And I think for me, just writing, period, putting things in writing as clearly as possible is something that accomplishes that exact same goal for me. <clears throat> I was just doing some work uh, directly before making this podcast, and I was looking at uh, some digital uh, ads to run, and I was looking at what kinds of ads I wanted to be, I wanted to run, and what I wanted to change about my my about my digital marketing strategy. And it's so funny because when I was sitting down and thinking about that, the first thought that came to mind is, I need to put in writing who. I picture myself to be in the future. What a strange place to start. At least to me, it felt like a very strange place to start. That in order for me to successfully market my business, the first place I had to start was, who do I picture myself to be in the distant future? To be honest, I was actually thinking, like, after I die, how do people view me after I die or close to my death really in the future? And it took me a good 20, 25 minutes to write out about two paragraphs, not even that long, two concise, clear and concise paragraphs of how I would like to be viewed and what, what I want to be known for. It's quite personal, so I'm not going to share it, but it's something that I now have in writing and I'm very clear on it. I, didn't, I wasn't that clear on it before, before it existed in a form of emotion. And that emotion was something I just felt, but now it's something I'm, I, I know in, in such a way that I could communicate it extremely clearly to someone should I choose to. And now it's much more real than it used to be. And that allowed me to figure out my ad strategy. Because listen, let's pretend the only thing I wrote down in my notes is I want to be rich. Let's say that's what I wrote down. I know a friend, actually. I know a guy, and he's heavily driven by that. And you can see that in his content, in what he does, the way he markets his business. It's super sales-focused, and it rubs me the wrong way. It doesn't rub others the wrong way. Wrong way. He's a very successful guy. His, the people who en that engage with his business align with that message. And overall, it's it works quite well for him and has for, I would say, roughly 10 years. <laughs> so it works for him. But that's not, that's not my truth. So if that were my truth and my truth were, oh, money is a huge priority for me. By the way, money is a priority, but not in the way that you would think. But regardless, that's a conversation for later. But let's say I was driven by money and me spending money on material material things for myself. That would impact the type of ad that I run. I would run an ad that tries to close a sale, perhaps, or run an ad that has a sale in it, or run an ad that converts the most number of dollars possible. And the irony for me is that's not even the number one. It's not the number one driver for me. Isn't that so weird? Advertising my business. The purpose of advertising your business is to make more sales, right? And yet, for me, because when I looked at the things I value, who I want to be in the future, when I looked at that, it occurred to me that if I ran an ad that got 100 students for me, that would not be nearly as fulfilling as having a different type of ad that didn't hit those metrics, but hit some metrics that are very important to me deep down. And instead, so now the ad I'm running is wildly different. It's a completely different ad. The ad I'm going to run is basically going to be an ad saying, hey, I'm going to offer an intensive course for these languages. 
one person is going to be selected to take that intensive course for free. You're going to get four, it's going to be four to five hours, uh, three to five hours of private classes a week for two to three months. On my dime, I pay for it. There's going to be an application process. You have to tell me why you would like to be selected. I would like people to tag in the ad itself on Facebook and whatnot. I would like people to tag their friends in the comments of like who they think should look at this and who they think should apply. <clears throat> And that's the ad I'm going to run. So it's going to cost me money to run the ad and cost me money once I select someone to get these free classes. That's crazy. You'd be like, what the heck? What's the purpose of that? Well, number one, it makes me feel good. I like the depth of impact for that one person that I select. Or maybe even I might do a small group if I find people that have similar availability, um, similar levels and are learning the same language. I might make a group, right? So maybe two people, let's say, maybe three at the most. Right. I like the depth of impact that I can have on a very small number of people. And because it's free on my dime, there's no barrier to entry apart from I need to see you freaking committed to a, a, do an intensive course. That makes me feel good about myself. I also like the buzz, but also that's very selfless, very altruistic. But it also feeds me on a selfish level because the positive buzz it creates around the business is positive for me. Now, if I was more driven by money and I wanted to go generate 100 potential students, I'd technically make more money off that. Probably. But because it's, it's, I'm going to speak in spiritual terms, that doesn't feed my soul. And because it doesn't feed my soul and it doesn't align with who I am deep down, that type of ad will not I don't think it'll be as, as successful as it could be. I can't go down that route. That's not something I'll do. I, I don't feel right doing it. It feels so awkward right now. And maybe that'll change in the future. Who knows? But as of today, you know, whatever the date is today, February, whatever, that's not, that didn't feel like the right decision. So I'd rather go down the completely other route that I'm going to go down. And it's going to work. It's going to work out for me. I know. One way or another, it's going to work out just fine. I already know that. <clears throat> So the written word is super powerful, man. The written word is so powerful. And I've been experiencing this more and more lately. I'd actually encourage everybody to go watch a YouTube lecture series, um, which is where the idea behind the power of the written word came from. It's not really, he doesn't, ex in this YouTube series, it's not explicitly said, but it's, in an, it's something that I personally took away from the videos. It's, of all things, a biblical series. I'm not religious at all, but it's a, it's looking at the Bible through a, a psychological lens done by Jordan Peterson. It's like 17 videos. Each video is two to three hours long. It's really long and very deep, and for many of you, maybe kind of dry. But for the one or two of you that decides to go look into it, just go into YouTube and search Jordan Peterson biblical series. It's probably one of his most famous pieces of content, I would think. Lots and lots of views on those videos over a million for most of them. Really fascinating, and it's been very beneficial for my life over the past couple of weeks as I've been slowly working my way through the videos. And that's where the idea of the power of the written word for me came from. He doesn't say it explicitly, but it's something that I inherently was able to take from those videos. He talks about the power of language, though, which is interesting as a general whole. And that's really stuck with me, and I've been it's been... Uh, a tool I've been using more and more recently, and it's been showing results. <clears throat> Something else I've thought a lot, of, I've been thinking about too, 
is uh, decision making. At the end of the day, something I something I want to, I suppose, focus on is being proud of the decisions I made at the end of each day. I want to look back at the end of every day and be proud of the decisions I made. That's been that's become a focus point for me, and I it's been a it's been it's become a rock that keeps me stable. We all need some rocks that keep us stable, whether it's values, whether it's religion, whether it's family, whether it's who knows. This has become a rock that's been keeping me very stable. One of many rocks. I have many rocks that keep me stable, but this is one of the new rocks. Because sometimes, if you think about how people live their lives, myself included, you look back on the day. And you're not proud of the things you did. Maybe you're proud of some things, but generally there's many things you did you're not proud of. Maybe you ate too much cake and you knew you had too much cake and you didn't, and you feel, you, you feel disgusting about it. You don't feel good about what you did or you skipped going to the gym or you, you were going to study something, but you didn't. You're not proud of that at the end of the day. Now, now, I think an interesting thing to note is that you, is that me, I'm the one who defines what I'm proud of, what I'm not proud of. I'm in control of that, which is interesting. So for example, I had a lot of cake today. Like I just had a lot of cake because we had cake in the house and I ate cake. And over the past couple of weeks, I've had a lot of cake because my mom baked and we had cupcakes in the house and then we had banana bread. So the past two weeks, I've had a lot of junk food. Oh, and cookies. Oh my God. I had so many cookies every day. Oh my God. That's so cool. Oh, so yummy. But I don't, I don't, not feel proud of my decision of eating the amount of cookies and cake I've eaten over the past three weeks. I still feel okay about that decision. I've decided it was allowed because we never have cake in the house. And I've decided I'm not going to beat myself up over that. But I look back at the day and I I, I make every decision as consciously as possible and say, hey, I'm going to eat four pieces of cake today. Is that cool? Yeah, I'm cool with that. I'm deciding to be cool with that. I'm going to look back at the end of the day and say, I chose to indulge today. And that's that. If I gain 20 pounds because of it, like you, like that's, I'm not going to gain 20 pounds for eating four pieces of cake, but, but you make every decision consciously and make sure that you never make a decision that you're not going to be, that you're going to, you don't make a decision that you're going to regret at the end of the day or in the, or even in the future. I think about that a lot. So for instance, the four pieces of cake I'd eat, right, in a day, for instance, four is kind of a lot, but let's say three. <clears throat> I would ask myself, will I regret this? And basically, I won't because I don't do that often. So it's not going to catch up with me in the long term. It's not, right? It's not going to catch up with me in the short term. It's okay. Nothing bad is going to come from me eating three pieces of cake in a day. So for the past three weeks, where I've had a lot of banana bread, cupcakes, cookies, and then today, birthday cake. You know, it's been two or three weeks of me doing that, and that's okay. I'm fine with that because it's it's such a rare occurrence in my life. It never happens where we have that much cake in the house and that much junk in the house. It just doesn't happen often. So I'm cool with it. Now, if I was doing that over and over and over and over, after three months or two months, I might be like, yo, Azarin, okay, today you can eat cake because you've been doing that for three months now. And if you do that today, that's going to be a decision you are not proud of anymore. Does that make sense? So I'm always asking myself, lately I've been asking myself, do I, can I end the day and feel proud of how I approach that day? And it's been really good for me. That's been a very healthy way to view things. I've enjoyed it. It's been really, really good. Um, yeah, it's been awesome. The other thing that 
I've been thinking a lot about, which is coming actually from the biblical series of with Jordan Peterson, which is fascinating to me anyway, is um, bargaining with your future self. So that's something he talks about. He talks about the fact that we make sacrifices today in order to have a better future, which is something that, according to him, that other animals don't typically do. Like he gives the example of a wolf. A wolf doesn't eat 20 pounds of meat today and then save some moose for tomorrow or save some whatever animal deer for tomorrow. That's just not how they are. They eat. And humans have this capacity to sacrifice a, a pleasure in the present for an imagined additional pleasure in the future. We have this ability to do so. And I've been thinking a lot about that. He explains it like bargaining with your future self. You're bargaining for your future self. You're talking to this future self, this imagined future self, and you're saying, hey, I'm not going to eat this cake today. If you, Mr. Future Self, give me something good in the future in exchange for that, you're trading with him in a sense. You're making a deal. And I've been thinking a lot about that too. I suppose everyone's aware of the concept of sacrificing something today for a better tomorrow. I mean, we're all, we're all familiar with that concept, but just the framing of it of bargaining with your future self was very new and I liked that framing around it. Um, what else is standing out to me today? <sighs> On a language learning side, um, I recently got a couple hours of free private classes for Gujarati, which was really cool. So I had half an hour of that today, which was fun. And uh, <laughs> it's so interesting to me how the people you talk to heavily influence how fluent you are. Like when I talk to my family, I am way less fluent than when I talk to, when I talk in Gujarati to people that are not my family. It's so weird. Like I'm super fluent in Gujarati or quite fluent in Gujarati when it's not someone in my family. And then the second is someone in my family, for some reason, I revert back to how I, I've spoken Gujarati my whole life and I become significantly less fluent. It's the strangest phenomenon. I think one of the ways we can look at this, at this phenomenon is something that I noticed today super vividly with my baby, what is he, my cousin? What is your, wait, what does your, wait, let me think, is he my cousin? My uncle's kid. Yeah, my cousin, my baby cousin. He is like one years old, I blink, one and a bit, almost two actually. He'll be two in a couple months. He doesn't speak too much, but he's starting to speak now, which is which is good. So he's speaking and communicating using words. His parents speak to him in English. Um, he speaks English at home. And basically his entire family speaks to him in English. Even my grandparents, his grandparents as well, you know, even they, they use some Gujarati with him, but they do mix a fair amount of English in, like it's a bit of a hybrid and the only person who talks to him in Gujarati is my mom. My mom, when I was growing up, spoke to me in only Gujarati. And she enforced that with all family members. She's like, hey, Gujarati with him, Gujarati with us, which is why I speak Gujarati today. She's to thank for that. And so she, I don't know if it's because with kids, I think with kids, my mom just defaults to Gujarati. Because when she's heard people talk to kids growing up, she would hear them speak in Gujarati when she was younger. So I think her brain just defaults to Gujarati. So even with like, it's so funny. I've seen her with people's dogs and the dog belongs to a family that is not Gujarati. And my mom speaks to the dog in Gujarati. 
<laughs> it's very weird. It's, I think that's what happens when it's babies or small animals, things like that. She defaults to Gujarati. So she, she has ever for the past two years, almost two years, she's only spoken to my baby cousin in Gujarati. And uh, so today, and he hasn't spoken much. He doesn't, he hasn't, he's been a little bit late to speak. He's been a bit slower than other kids, but now he's finally starting to speak and he speaks in English with everybody. Here's the crazy thing that I noticed. He, my baby cousin arrived at my house yesterday in the afternoon and he left this evening. The whole house is a Gujarati environment when he's here. It becomes pure Gujarati or almost pure Gujarati. And very reasonably quickly, he stops speaking English and he speaks Gujarati. Words that he says in English with his parents, he now says them Gujarati with mom. He doesn't say birdie. He says birdie with dad, which we saw today when dad came to pick him up. He told him birdie, birdie. Tweet, 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 tweet. With my mom, he says chucky, chucky, chee, 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 chee. He was saying he was wanting his mom and dad. So he was saying initially in English, he said, I think he said, mommy, come daddy come or something like that and my mom was like ha bansi aus uh, uh, sorry daddy ause mommy ause daddy ause mommy ause means mom and dad will come in my language gujarati and the rest of the day that's all he would say like the, the english left his head he wouldn't say it anymore now he'd say mommy ause daddy ause and then he'd say he he would uh, he would put other words with ause too so he wasn't just mimicking he would he would use the term ause which means will come I think he said chucky house oh squirrel house he would start to say other things he'd look out the window oh and then he'd look mom say a squirrel che he would say no he doesn't say yes and he just he says no he doesn't say na na is no in my language he'll say no so that he won't say in my language right but he'll say no no so oh then he might then he looks like chucky and then i'll say squirrel house like it'll come later he knew right or things like he doesn't say hat with his parents he says hat with mom, he says topi, because we say topi for hat. For car, he, at, at my house, he says gadi. He doesn't say car, he says gadi. Um, when he goes upstairs, even with his parents, he doesn't use the English word. He says upar, because upar means go upstairs, like upstairs or up in my language. So he'll say upa, upar. Um, so he speaks Gujarati, and he's speaking pure Gujarati, or well, as much pure Gujarati as a one-year-old can speak. But the second his parents came and picked him up, the environment changed around him and now he went back to english and he, he couldn't do gujarati you could see it he's telling his parents in his one word fashion what he did today so like my mom would be like did you go to the park and then he'd or he's mom was saying gujarati right what did jevan do today jevan park magyoto then he'll look at his dad park 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 jevan park and my, his dad would be like oh you went to the park and mom, he'd be like, yeah. And mom would be like, Sujoyu Park Ma. What did you see in the parks? So that's Sujoyu Park Ma. Chucky Hati. And he'd look at dad, birdie, birdie. So he heard Chucky. He knew exactly what I'm saying. But he wouldn't speak and he wouldn't say Chucky. He'd say birdie. And it was super fascinating to see. So all that to say, I think what's happening to me with my, with my, and I think it happens to a lot of language learners. We're so influenced by the people we talk to. And the people we talk to have a heavy influence on how fluent we are. It's so fascinating. It's not like this, we're equally fluent with everybody. We're, we're different levels of fluency with different people. Really interesting stuff. Anyway, guys, I'm going to wrap this episode up here. I uh, appreciate your attention as always. And um, we'll talk later. Bye for now. See you. Have a good night.